Hello and welcome to the Mindwaves podcast. I'm your host, Rosie, and in each episode I'll be sharing positive news, stories and information about mental health in Greater Glasgow and Clyde. Mindwaves is currently working on an anti-stigma animation project with See Me Scotland. This short film explores long-term mental illnesses and challenges the stereotypes around them. We'll be sure to let you know when it's released. This episode was inspired by the theme of endurance. One of the things that immediately comes to mind is exercise. I'm sure that some of you are shuddering at memories of school sports, and some will be thinking more fondly of morning jogs and weekly yoga classes. We all know that exercise is good for you, but I was curious about if it was helpful for managing mental health, and can it be accessible to people of all abilities? I was lucky enough to speak to Helen Douglas, Rachel and Rebecca from TVC, and Elizabeth Walsh about their experiences with different types of exercise. My name is Helen Douglas, and I'm coming up to 50. I usually describe myself as a writer, and um, I also am a mentor and a coach for, for women, particularly as they're going through their menopausal transition. What I do now is, is in complete contrast to what I used to do. I left my job seven or eight years ago as a result of a breakdown and spent a couple of years just wandering around the wilderness, not quite knowing what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then I stumbled on writing and um, embraced my mental health challenges. Mm-hmm. And I, I probably haven't looked back since then. It's 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 been it's been good it's been a journey but uh it's been a positive one it it took me a long time to accept and come to terms with the fact that i had challenges with my mental health and my, with my emotional well-being mm-hmm. and i think i was i was ashamed of it i was embarrassed i never told anyone that i lived with depression and anxiety i thought that you know it would go away and every time it went away it came back I think with, with depression, you always think the last episode will be the last episode for some reason. And it would always surprise me when it came back. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I've just accepted that I lived with it. I have a much better relationship to it now. My depression is, is a tiny black dog called Stanley. I control him rather than him controlling me. Mm-hmm. And that, that is a much better way of, of living with it rather than trying to ignore it because you can't outrun it. You, you just can't. I love that your depression dog is called Stanley. Tiny black dachshund. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it, that can be. It's amazing how thinking of it and yourself compassionately can really change so much about how you interact with it, especially with an enduring um, condition like uh, depression, anxiety, all these things that are we think of as long term. Uh, many people have expressed that. Uh, exercise is helpful uh, in their in in the toolkit of de- of, of of working with mental health. Exercise is now one of life's non-negotiables for me. It's something that I will always make time for. Mm-hmm. And when I was recovering after a hysterectomy, I started to walk, and that sort of gradually, you know, became a jog. And and I took up running, mm-hmm. and I hadn't I hadn't done really any exercise since school up until the age of 42 it was a very gradual process because I mean I I am typically 
I, I have a problem with pacing things. I sort of either go into something full pelt or not at all. So I had a few false starts at the beginning because you just can't run 5K after you haven't run at all for a couple of decades. So I, I learned the hard way. I think the rhythmic plodding when you're running, the sound of, of my footfall on the tarmac helps me process thoughts. Running has taught me an awful lot, actually, not just about pacing, but I've learned that if I fuel my body properly, I can run better. Not necessarily faster because I'm not that interested in, in, in speed as such. You know, I, I know what I can do and I'm happy doing that. It has taught me humility because I really am not fast as much as I would like to think I'm Usain Bolt. I'm really not. Mm-hmm. And I get overtaken by many children and people probably twice my age or not quite twice my age but um yeah so it's humility and it's it's just sport in itself is a great leveler isn't it Mm. and um so yeah I run and I indoor row as well and that was just to try and avoid putting all of my eggs in one basket I suppose because if you're running I think you you know you can if you do an awful lot of it you can risk damaging your knees perhaps or ankles were there challenges that you encountered as you as your exercise journey progressed? I found as a woman perhaps going to run outside on the streets, that was slightly anxiety provoking because I don't know, there's just something quite exposing about running around in Lycra. Yeah. And that took quite a bit of getting used to. And I, I now do most of my running on a treadmill and I'm more comfortable doing that. Mm. I suppose I feel less exposed and also with a treadmill you've not got the problem of running too far because you haven't got to then run back. <laughs> that is fair. I think it's running also teaches me just to be kind to myself. Mm. I think that's 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 a lesson that I get out of exercise per se whether it's running or indoor rowing. Mm. I think it, it's you know if, if I'm kind to my body and I look after it and sometimes if I'm not feeling great, maybe I just won't run quite so far. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll just go at a slower pace. Mm-hmm. It's, it teaches me that, you know, slow and steady finishes the race rather than collapses. That's, uh, that's a really important lesson. I suppose it's also the ability to tolerate uh, that distress. Because you, you mentioned you don't stop when you start your exercise. No, no, I, I'm... I'm I suppose that's all part of the all or nothing. Um, (laughs) Do you notice that your exercise does have an impact on your mental health? The impact that that exercise has on not just my my physical health, but my mental health is such an important part of of my mental health toolkit, if you like, because if I've achieved nothing else in a day, if I have gone for that run, or if I have done a session rowing, I have achieved something. You know, and it, and it might even, you know, perhaps I might just run 2K, but I've done it. And sometimes, or very often, I don't want to do it. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't leap out the door with, with maximum enthusiasm every time. But I do know that irrespective of how I feel before I've exercised, I will feel better afterwards. It might be 1% better it might be 20% or 50% better. 
but I always feel better after exercising. And that's, that's really, really important. Yeah. My mental health, it hasn't deteriorated. And I think that's a good thing. Up until the age of whatever, 41, 42, there always were the, the very big highs and the very big lows. Mm-hmm. Whereas exercise, it just sort of, it keeps me within that sort of that window, if you like, where I can manage, it helps me better manage my moods. Mm-hmm. And I wonder whether, because I, I, I know exercise is thought to give you that, that really big sort of input of, of, of endorphins. Mm. And I wonder whether sometimes that hit of endorphin is just almost resets the system. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter where you are. It's just that jolt. I suppose it's like, um, you know, giving somebody the CPR paddles, you know, it just, it, it, it kickstarts their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's just my imagination or not, sport and exercise is, is just really fantastic as regards mental health and of course physical health. Mm. And the two are very often, they, they can be linked. Do you find that when you're exercising, you have moments of, of very creative thought or, or very uh, clear thought? I do actually. Yeah. And I, and I think that's why, because running and rowing, I know they're maybe not that similar given that one's typically on water and the other one isn't, but mm-hmm. they are very rhythmical. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something about that. Perhaps it's something to do with brain waves. I don't know, but the repetition mm-hmm. and the predictability of that movement, I think somehow promotes or perhaps perhaps it does something to the right side of the brain that just allows moments of, of clarity and creativity. But yeah, I, I, I will sometimes come up if I'm, if I'm stumped writing, I will sometimes come up with just the perfect paragraph or the perfect word, you know, that just I know will fit right in where I want it to. The challenge is, is actually remembering these moments of clarity. Mm-hmm before you finish because you know you can't stop and write it down but um yeah I generally manage oh fantastic (laughs) maybe it's like a meditative quality because you're focused on this this repetitive task at school I I used to love any racket sport Mm. um you know badminton squash tennis but there you you really really have to concentrate I don't think you can tune out Mm -hmm. well you can but you won't be a very effective player (laughs) <laughs> Whereas, um, plus, I suppose the type of exercise I take on the whole, it can just be done on my own. You know, I'm not reliant on either having to, to meet somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think if your motivation is, is not that great, if you know you've got to get in the car to drive somewhere to exercise, mm. I think perhaps for me, I'm less likely to do it. So that's where running, plus with running, all you need is a pair of running shoes. Mm-hmm. And and that's it. They don't even need to be fancy. So I think it, it it's a great leveler because you don't need a great deal of kit. Mm-hmm. What do you think you most enjoy about your chosen forms of exercise? I know I'm doing something that is good for my body, but it's also good for my mind. I'm showing myself compassion actually by looking after my body, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's that, that's quite a nice thought. That, so that, that knowledge is very, is very good for you. It is because it wasn't always that way. Would you encourage others to try, uh, to try your form of exercise? I would actually. I mean, I think my theory is that there is a sport or, or an exercise out there for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it might be hula hooping. It might be 
you know it might be running it, it might be swimming mm. if you can make it about being an individual choice and a choice that you're making because it will benefit you mm. i think that's that's sort of a really good way to frame it Uh, Rachel Hoyes and I've been with um, Conservation Volunteers for about 10 years now uh, working on a lot of kind of green gym projects I started kind of setting up and running them and now I kind of help with the kind of overall management of supporting staff to run them and community groups to run them so yeah that's me <laughs> and I'm Rebecca Strofton I'm a team leader with the Conservation Volunteers um, I've been with TCB for just over six years Similarly to Rachel, I used to run green gym programs myself and work directly with volunteers. Um, but I now lead a team of people and manage um, a bunch of projects that are delivering these kind of health focused projects um, all over Scotland. Wow, fantastic. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit more about green gym if, if our listeners haven't heard of it before? I mean, TCV or Conservation Volunteers have been going for over 60 years and we've always kind of been really great at bringing people together to create kind of new green spaces to improve our green spaces and working with volunteers to do that with a kind of real focus on people and communities and how that kind of all interacts together so what a lot of these projects tended to be a longer day so we quite often start at 10 finish at four and that was kind of you know works really well and we still run lots of projects like that and then um um Back in 1997, uh, Dr. William Bird, who was a GP in Oxfordshire, he's still a GP, I think he's just not based in the practice anymore, but um, he came to us and said, how do I prescribe for people to get out, get active, um, you know, do volunteering, go for walks? And we kind of worked together and came up with the idea of the green gym. So uh, the green gym is usually a kind of shorter session, so about three hours in the middle of the day, so a bit more accessible. And then we kind of really focus on different elements to improve those kind of health outcomes kind of with the group. So yeah, that's the kind of ethos of the green gym is kind of very much working with people to improve fitness mental health and through that improving our green spaces and making kind of you know green spaces better for communities and people who use them wonderful that sounds like a fantastic goal uh, so what's it like running one of these events so green gyms are um, they're, they're weekly activities um, so usually we, we plan a program of activities um, maybe a month or two in advance um, and it's the, the leader's responsibility to kind of plan those activities and make sure the volunteers um, know what's happening when. Um, so we meet them, meet them on site usually um, at a specific time. Um, and then there's a bit of a process um, that kind of makes up the format of a green gym, um, which is the start of it's all about kind of the social welcome to the groups, making everyone feel welcome. Um, and then we do a bit of a warm up activity to make, to make sure people's um, muscles are warmed up and ready for some physical activity um, just to reduce the chances of injury and that kind of thing. Um, once we've done a bit of a warm-up it's getting stuck into the, the main kind of task for the day which could be anything from um, creating wildflower meadows, building bird boxes, food growing projects, all sorts of different activities. Um, it depends what's kind of um, available on the site that you're working on. So we do a bit of that for, for a while and then the, the highlight of the day for a lot of people is the tea break um, where we get out the, the, the tea kit um, and everyone comes together and it's a social um, aspect of the group and um, people come together have a chat over a cup of tea and a biscuit um, and it, it's a really good chance to kind of bring people together. 
After that, there's a bit more activity, um, maybe maybe something different, maybe carrying on with what was what was going on before the tea break. And then at the end of the session, there's a bit of a cool down and take some time to kind of reflect on what's been achieved and how people are feeling about that. Um, so that's the kind of general format of the session. Um, and as, as a leader of the Green Gym, um, you're kind of responsible for the, the practicalities of site safety, volunteer safety, um, tools, making sure people are using the tools safely, that kind of thing. But also with the Green Gym, there's um, kind of the well-being aspect of making sure people feel comfortable about coming along, making sure people are enjoying themselves and um, getting a good experience from being there and making sure everyone feels included as well. So that's that's the really important part about Green Gyms. It's making sure people are getting that, the social benefits of taking part as well as the, the physical um, health benefits. Mm. Uh, would you say that there's a there's a strong sense of community among your participants? Yeah, a lot of people come along maybe on their own or with a friend to start with um, but then they really become part of the group and, and really gel gel as a group um, mm. I've seen that in, in a green gym that I set up a few years ago um, I ran it for a couple of years and it had people coming along as individuals and then after a few weeks they really feel part of the group and really part of the community and we, we give um, our volunteers green gym t-shirts as well so that makes them helps them to kind of feel like part of a group um, and they're all working towards a um, a kind of joint goal um, with with whatever the task is that we're working on. Fantastic! And uh, from from both of your experiences, did you do you, both of you have a favourite activity that you do with Green Gym projects? I like the variety of activity, and you can change things up from week to week to um, kind of keep everyone's um, interests uh, satisfied. So some people, like Rachel said, do like to come in and pick up the biggest saw and really get stuck in uh, to an activity. Whereas other people prefer the kind of lighter touch, maybe the kind of more um, citizen science activities. So maybe doing some surveys of pollinators and things on the site, that kind of thing. So I think it's the variety of a green gym that makes it, that keeps it interesting um, and keeps people coming back because it's yeah, it's something different each week and something that you know everyone can can get involved in and get on board with. And it's a learning experience as well. The more variety of tasks that we can we can provide for the volunteers, the more opportunity they've got to learn different skills. And that might be the, the kind of practical skills of how to manage a, a wetland or how to plant wildflower plugs, that kind of thing. But there's also a lot of the kind of transferable skills that come along with that. So if you're maybe building a raised bed, for example, the volunteers have got to work as a team to, to do that. Um, so there's sort of the communication skills and the, the teamwork skills that they get out of it. I wanted to ask about accessibility. So uh, a lot of people want to exercise, but they have, maybe they have a, a physical problem or, or, or the other, other things that get in the way of traditional forms of exercise. Do you experience that this type of exercise allows for people of all types to participate? We have ones that are food growing projects, so it might be that actually you know, a kind of walking to a wildlife reserve and being a bit more kind of that level of physical isn't suitable. Whereas, you know, food growing and working on a kind of smaller site is much more suited. So it's so exciting having all those different options and people I think can really kind of, you know, influence a green gym in some ways. Like if you know a group really enjoys something that can very much be worked into what you do. And I think that's what makes it kind of really nice that, you know, it can be as much or as little as you want. Everyone goes at their own pace as well, so that it's a, it's a kind of non-competitive atmosphere and everyone's kind of, some people really like to get stuck in and get involved, other people um, um, maybe take things a bit more easy, um, and as a leader it's, it's our kind of responsibility to make sure there's activities that suit everybody's needs. 
Um, and sometimes people, sometimes just coming along to the green gym is enough um, for some people. I used to have a, a volunteer who, um, he, he, the only time he went out of the house was to come along to the green gym. And he, he told me one day that he'd woken up in the morning and felt really rubbish and couldn't be bothered to come out, didn't want to do anything. But he knew that if he came along to the green gym, he'd feel better for it. So he made himself come along. He didn't, didn't take part in the activity, but he came, sat, had a little chat over a cup of tea, had some fresh air and a bit of a walk. And at the end of that session, he said he, he'd felt better for it. And he was really glad he'd come, even though you know, when he woke up that, that morning, he really didn't want to do anything. Um, so even, even if people come along and they don't feel like they can fully get involved, sometimes that's enough just to be there um, is enough for them to get the benefits of, of coming along to the Green Gym in the first place. Do you and your participants uh, experience that this is helpful for your mental health? Absolutely, yeah. And well, in that story I just said, I, I had days like that as well, where I woke up thinking, oh, I can't be bothered with this today. Yeah, you go along to the Green Gym, you run the session, and at the end of it, feeling brilliant you've you've had a chat with some people your, your mood's just been lifted because you've been outside in the fresh air and um, i think people get a lot from that kind of social contact with other people um, and being able to take part in a project where they're contributing to their local environment they're giving something back um, it improves feelings of self-worth and builds confidence um, in them that they don't just get from coming along to the green gym but that can then be transferred into their everyday lives um, maybe they become more involved in the community in other ways, um, attending other activities and that kind of thing. Um, so there's definitely knock-on effects from people coming along to the Green Gym. We've had a couple of really exciting kind of evaluations over the years. One we had, we did um, a BBC series, Trust Me I'm a Doctor, um, was looking at kind of mental health and did an episode on beating stress. So they got in contact with us and we ran an eight week program of green gym sessions. So we had some participants that did that. There were some participants that took part in yoga sessions and there were some participants that took part in mindfulness and obviously a control group who didn't do any of this. And we had some really exciting results. They did um, um, kind of a test for the stress hormone cortisol on all the groups at the end of these sessions. And they found that compared to kind of all the groups and the ones that did not engage in the activity and the green gym group had 20% kind of improvement in their cortisol awakening, awakening response. And some of them, it was actually 35%. So it really showed that that actually they were coming away feeling much less stressed. And also they were kind of reporting kind of high levels of well-being and kind of lower levels of stress through surveys. So that was a really exciting piece of work. And going on from that, we did a four-year study, so it was quite a big one, um, over all our green gyms. And what they found is that when kind of looking at well-being, we used um, the kind of short Warwick Edinburgh mental well-being scale and some other kind of questions as part of this survey. And we found that often volunteers, before they started, were reporting lower than average kind of levels of kind of well-being and usually after three months doing the second survey they were actually kind of a lot of those were back in line with kind of average values throughout the UK often people who stayed this was continued it wasn't dropping back down again so it really showed the kind of level of kind of the long-term impact it's having kind of being outside in nature kind of exercising and kind of doing something with a real purpose is really making those kind of long-term differences which is really exciting. My name is Elizabeth Walsh and I am a yoga teacher and I'm also a psychotherapist based in Glasgow but working all over the world really online. Can you tell me a little bit how you how you got into yoga? I was actually using a, a sports centre uh, 
for swimming and there was an Ashtanga yoga class there and I just went along and that must have been about 10 years ago maybe a little bit more than that so I was in my late 40s when I started mm -hmm. mid, mid 40s when I started yoga um, and I had done yoga in my 20s and it never grabbed me it wasn't oh. it didn't appeal mm -hmm. I went to class with Leslie Dow. She was my first yoga teacher mm. and she was fantastic. And Ashtanga was fantastic. And even though I couldn't do very much of it and I wasn't very strong, uh, I loved it and I was hooked. Wow. And I've been practicing ever since. And I started off maybe practicing once a week and then it became twice a week, and then three times, and now I practice every day. That's fantastic. I loved it. It was vigorous. It was energizing. It was demanding. Um, it required a lot of discipline. Um, I didn't have a lot of these qualities at the start, but I was really attracted by it. Mm -hmm. and, and it was great fun. During the pandemic, I completed my yoga teacher training, which if you had said that to me at the start of that first class, I would never have believed it was possible. <laughs> That's fantastic to go from absolute beginner to this form of exercise to feeling confident enough to, to, to help others on their journey. That's so wonderful. How do you feel and, and how do other people in your classes express feeling immediately after a session? Everyone talks about the yoga glow. Okay, so everyone talks about that. So you can see the difference in your face, your eyes, your skin. Okay, after a, vigor, a vigorous yoga class. But also, I didn't even realize this would happen, but it makes you feel happy. Mm -hmm. You don't always feel happy when you're doing it, like all sorts of emotions can arise on the mat. Mm -hmm. But afterwards, you get this rush um, and it just feels wonderful and it has made me feel happy and it's been a life enhancing experience. Wow. Oh, fantastic. Uh, you, you mentioned at the beginning, you found it challenging to begin with. What was it like overcoming the, the challenges you met along the way? At the beginning, you're really limited in terms of what you can do, you know, but your body is an amazing, amazing thing. What it's capable of, and, and that's really what I love about yoga. Mm -hmm. you, you can't imagine what your body can do. You're really playful. Mm -hmm. You know, you do a lot of balancing on your hands, a lot of balancing, um, going upside down, um, it's just it's just great fun but in order to get to that stage you you have to work hard and I suppose I like that blend of discipline and play. Yoga uh, to a lay person is very much associated with not just physical health but internal states and that sort of thing. In yoga we talk about svadhyaya, self-study and really you know you've got yourself and you've got your rectangle, your mat and you study yourself on the mat and you study your responses, your responses to challenge, your responses to ease, your response to your own breath, your response to the postures. So it is a process of self-study and it's a breath practice. Sometimes people will say, well, you don't do yoga to do yoga. You do yoga to learn how to live, how to deal with struggle, how to deal with difficulty, how to deal with ease. So you're looking at all of those things when you're on the mat. As far as mental health is concerned, obviously I work as a psychotherapist as well, and there's really interesting research about uh, yoga and trauma. Mm -hmm. And there's trauma-informed yoga, 
and there's compassion focused yoga. So I'm very, I'm a compassion focused therapist mm -hmm. and you can apply compassion to yourself, compassion to yourself in your challenge, compassion to yourself in your struggle. And so much of mental health is about our relationships with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And people often struggle in relationship with themselves. They struggle with an inner critic that gives them a hard time, contributes to them feeling depressed, mm -hmm. contributes to them feeling anxious. And developing a compassionate way of being with yourself on the mat and off also helps with your mental health. So there's it's multi-dimensional. Mm -hmm. There's a really interesting uh, psychiatrist, a guy called Bessel van der Kolk, who specialises in trauma. And he's very supportive of trauma-focused yoga. Mm. So, and you know, in yoga, we talk about your tissues being your issues. <laughs> so uh, that trauma can be stored in the body and the process of practice over a period of time and releasing to yourself and observing yourself in a compassionate way parallels on the mat what we support in psychotherapy to promote positive mental health and well-being. Do you feel like there is a, a good sense of community around yoga? I met my closest friend probably through doing yoga. Mm -hmm. right? so, um, so yes, from that community, really strong friendships can grow. But there was also lots of people that I knew just to kind of nod to, or people that I knew to have little chats with. You'd go in and out of the studio when you were just sitting together, you know, the mats were side by side. I had a, a fantastic teacher called Rosina Bonsu, and um, who was the most encouraging person mm. you could ever imagine me to. She was a really wonderful human being. And she really instilled a sense of community. Um, and yeah, when you're on the mat, and next to other people. You can see other people sometimes struggling when you know you really felt for them. <laughs> you could feel it too in yourself and your own struggles. Mm -hmm. And then you could also celebrate their successes. You know, you would see someone stand up from a back bend for the first time and everybody would kind of stop <laughs> to take time for a round of applause. Do you know, or people who could get, you know, they were you know, Rosina would move away from you and kind of leave you in headstand. Yeah, so community in that sense is like super, super important. Also, turning internally, I would, you know, use my mind and use my thinking, probably all my training as a psychotherapist as well, mm -hmm. to think, well, you know, I can go back to bed or I can go to class now and something really, really interesting will happen. What you're hoping to promote with people is self-efficacy a sense of self-efficacy, mm -hmm. that they have control. One of my students recently was just talking about really the transformative power of yoga. Mm. And she said that it had changed her relationship with her physical self entirely. Wow. So moving from a place of frustration with your body and its limitations to a place of celebration and gratitude. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what you're hoping for uh, in your yogic journey. Would you encourage others to give yoga a try? Yoga is for everyone. You see a lot of Instagram stuff about yoga, you know, like perfect people on perfect beaches, holding perfect poses, and which is all fine. Mm -hmm. um, but it's much, much more than that. And you find your own place in yoga. 
whether it's a few simple spinal twists in the morning to practicing for an hour and a half a day, six days a week if you do Ashtanga yoga, or you know the kind of yoga that I like to do, Vinyasa yoga, which is just really great fun. But you can do gentle versions of yoga, restorative yoga, you can do yin yoga, I mean, you can do power yoga. Mm. So there's really something for everyone. And no matter what age, stage, size, or shape you are, mm. yoga is for you and you'll find your way in it. That's so wonderful that it's so accessible for people of, of different body types and of different abilities. Yoga tries to support you mm. to be more compassionate and more understanding of yourself and your struggles and I think the other thing that it does that's really important is it helps you to face your fears and in that way it really relates to psychotherapy because a lot of the work that I do especially around anxiety is about getting people to overcome their fear by going towards scary things but the more you do it the more you build your confidence in yourself in your own abilities, in your own strength, in your own knowledge, mm -hmm. the more freedom and fun that you can have with, with that, the more you can play. If people would like to hear or read more from you, is there somewhere they can go? Yeah, I mean, if they um, check out my website, www.douglasmentoring.co.uk, and they can find me there. If anyone is interested in taking part in any TCB activities, um, if you're interested in getting involved in any of our projects, um, you can find groups and activities near you by going to our website. So if you just go to tcv.org.uk and click on get involved and you can search by your postcode. I'm very open to people contacting me if they want to do one-to-one uh, -one sessions um, or if they want uh, small groups uh, tailored to their needs. So even if people want to give it a little try, and they've never done any yoga before and they want to dip their toe in the water and um, it's really easy to kind of tailor a class to the needs of a group. Wonderful and I will pop a little link in the description. They can click on that as well. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you want to hear more from us then subscribe to stay up to date. If you have time then leave us a review letting us know what you liked and what we can improve. You can find more stories and information at mindwavesnews.com.